0: this will record if it doesn't record please forgive me but it says it's recording and Richard and I tested this so this should work it's our first one all right so hello and welcome to the first APO Lingo podcast where today we're talking about how to make uh, music production and audio production and various steps uh, involved and today on our panel we have with us Richard Marshall
1: hi there Richard here coming from London where it's uh yeah, as i said earlier coffee cloudy and very very hot very muggy very lovely
0: nice uh lee curtis hi guys
2: i'm coming to you from my studio in los angeles uh where it is going to be it's going to creep up to 100 degrees fahrenheit by saturday so i might be it's it's uh, only 11:30 here I've got a couple of hours before I have to turn the AC on full blast or maybe not be in this place because it's going to get crazy, so...
0: I got you. I, got, I turned off the AC as well and I'm already starting to feel it. Wow. And uh, we got Rocio Rocha.
3: Hello everyone, my name is Rocio. I'm coming live from Córdoba, Argentina. Here is winter, so today I'm very happy to say that there is a little bit of sunlight. I'm enjoying it, so today it's a pretty hot day and i hope you all enjoy a lot this session
0: awesome all right so that's our full panel for today and so let's just get right into it so when i'm thinking about how to make audio music productions i guess what i'm thinking about it's very broad right this subject because it really depends what you're making uh what you want to make or what you're interested in doing so i wanted to pick something like that because Well, I think it's a good topic to just talk about from a personal uh, experience about the things that you like to make, the things that you've made over the years, and that process of how you got into uh, music production or why you're why you're into it and how that's developed. And I think there's a lot of interesting content that we can draw from that. So I don't know if somebody wants to go first, or Richard, do you want to start about start talking? Uh,
1: Yeah, sure. Well, so uh, I suppose like many people, my journey into music production was just an organic evolution on from DJing. Um, I started DJing uh, in like 1998, which is quite scary. That's how, that's how old I am. Uh, same, same. Uh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. When were you born? What year were you born, Lee? If I'm Ninete- allowed to... 1978, baby. OK, I'm an 81-er. So, oh, so okay. we're, yeah. we're both just pre-Generation X. Anyway, so yeah. So, um, but I DJed for a long time. Um, you know, we we obviously when we started DJing, it was vinyl, and um, yeah, I just I don't even think I had a laptop for the first ten years of my DJ career, so it just never really came onto the onto into the sphere of, of thought because DJing was such a an analog um, electronic music was such an analog enterprise back then. Like to be producing music, you could do it off, uh, I suppose, cheap computers and stuff, but for the most part, you were looking at like very uh, price heavy analog gear um
0: right
1: and uh, but then yeah i actually yeah i think it was in 2006 or seven when i got uh i i got a little bit of an inheritance and i bought my first uh, pc that had two gigabytes of ram and like a 120 gig hard drive on it and uh, reason and cubase and that was kind of where it started which i'm quite grateful for i'm quite grateful that reason was my my interest that it was always you know you always kind of um a little bit shy with Reason Productions because they're still, to this day, I haven't used them in so long, but we they always got teased because the audio engine, you know, it was, it was always seen as like a sort of toy, a toy mm-hmm. producer's tool, but... Um,
0: right, it, 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 it looked, it looked really, like a toy, it kind of, the model of it looked like a toy. Like the well, it was, it was
1: just but, a sciat rack, but the thing that was good about it was, it was incredibly playful um, and it was yeah. very signal... You were rewiring Reason into Cubase, that's what Well, it was. so only, our only ways out how to do that after probably like two years of using it. And it was a real great experience because I had these productions that were just sitting in um, reason. I went through the, you know, the sort of painstaking process of rewiring every instrument into Cubase. And then those songs really just came to life. And that was kind of what gave me um, the push to pursue it because hearing your music sound alive, you know, it was was such a relief compared to the very muddy, very muffled, sound that you're I mean, a song that you bounced out of Reason. You couldn't. You couldn't play it out. You know, it was just more of a training tool. Um, yeah. So that was kind of how I started. I, I never really produced music in Cubase. So I only ever used it True Iris. And then when I found Logic, I found my. That's where my great love affair with any DAW began. I suppose.
0: So with Reason, you were using it more as a drum machine primarily, or were you? No, I used
1: it for everything, um, but I, the, the music that I made in Reason never saw the light of day. I put one in fact, I put two songs that I made in reason into into the into one d j mix once a very long time ago, but they book ended the whole mix, and the mix sounded great except for the first and the last song, which just sounded like you know they sounded like you were listening to them through a pillow
0: yeah, pillow <laughs> music, so you kind of have that path where you were. DJing, you got into like DJing, and you were buying records. And then, you did you buy any electronic gear, like you were saying, like, any analog gear before you bought Reason and Cubase as well? Or yeah, you- and,
1: uh, that you see, that's the thing. I mean, coming from South Africa, it was it was it was almost out of um, out of reach to to buy analog gear because it was very difficult to find, and if you could find it, it was very very expensive. Um, the people who had analog gear in Cape Town. Who I could have gotten it from 20 years ago. I'm probably still holding on to it now. You know, it's not easy to get your Junos and stuff. I mean, as you saw, uh, South Africa with me, we t- it took us a very long time to find you a Juno 60, was it? The we 106. For?
0: No, no, was it, a, was it the 60? It was the 60, right?
1: I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was it. And the reason also, again, just works for me, I went and studied a um, diploma in science engineering at Cape Audio College in oh four and... It was very useful. I, I became a qualified sound engineer for doing that, but I went there in the hope of learning how to produce music, which they didn't teach at all. I was getting the two disciplines completely confused, um, so that's why Reason was just useful because I understood signal um, flow and patching and stuff like that. So you know these little subtractor and redrum and they just they were toys, but they were they were really fun to play around with.
0: Reedrum, I forgot about re-drum.
2: Just, just to interject, like. I had a very similar path with starting with reason like you really i really couldn't figure out why everything sounded like shit because i didn't have a program to route it through and rewire it but man that thing taught me how drum machines work how synthesis works how sends and effects that was literally the training kit it really was it, it was a great program um and the redrum Man, if they just kind of I don't I don't know where they're at now, but I feel like if they just made that a VST, that right. could be a pretty dope VST. I brought that up to the propeller head people when I saw them and they weren't trying to hear
0: me. And I was like, no, you make a third party VST and Redrum is like it's super nostalgic too. I mean, I don't even think about it, but now that you guys are talking about reason, I just remember and the redrum, the way it looks, you know, it's got this uh, maybe it's nostalgia just because we used to use it back in the day, but
2: uh, yeah. The step sequencer on it was pretty functional, yeah. like the pitching yeah. and the tones and like, if yeah. you just did that, if you did, but I mean, I suppose you could say that other companies have already done that in a way with the Arturia Sparks and the Native Instruments battery, yeah. et cetera. But there was something about that little step sequencer you could get a beat going in right. no time. And exactly. I missed that,
0: you know? It wasn't that hard to rewire though. I mean, into Pro Tools. I never rewired it into, um, Cubase but we had it in Pro Tools and I remember it was like a game changer because you know Pro Tools was just not designed at that point I don't know if it and I don't think it is now either but especially back then you know for step sequencing and beats and stuff like that and you would have to you know you need to have a drum machine you need to have something like that but with uh, uh, with Reason you can just go ahead and then take like take all those you get the CD or a friend would have, like, all the, uh, the samples of, like, an 808 kit, you know? Or, and it would really mean something, too, right? Because it would be like, wow, you've got, like, these amazing waves of, like, this 909, and then you can, like, set it up and set up your 909. and I don't know. So, just, so it sounded good in Pro Tools, then? Uh, I don't know if it yeah. sounded, like, yeah. it's, it didn't sound like it was fun. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. You know, I don't think I'm
2: going back at this point but you know <laughs> no. and, and it's no. funny because uh, you're saying that you know people picking on you because of the sound engine with reason i'm working on cutting an indie album and i'm working with a couple of like really high level pro engineers mm-hmm. and they're making fun of me for how ableton sounds now so like, <laughs> really? you better cut it they're like you better cut all those vocals and pro tools don't send them to me. i'm like oh god it's happening again it's
0: happening. <laughs> It never, ends. <laughs> there's always, a war. there will always be a war, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay, snobs. But I
1: mean, Terry um, don't you finish, uh, you finish everything off in, in Pro Tools, don't
0: you? If you're doing. I, I mean, that's what I'll tell those indie snobs. if that's what it takes to get the record out look as long as it as long as it sounds good i think that's the most important thing you know i i do find that the pro tools engine has there's certain things but it really depends what you're doing if you're just doing inbox recording uh stuff like with the panning for example on ableton I find is not very, it doesn't sound as open. I don't know. There's also a limit on the referential zero of the master on Ableton, which is not as high as it is on uh logic or pro tools, but you know, I mean, there's so many, um, there's so many if factors to all of that really that, uh, I, I
2: think, I think I've just finally found the flow of like, I get most everything done in Ableton and now I'm, now just recently I'm moving over to Pro Tools
0: to do the final mixing. How do they and feel about Logic those guys, the the indie rock guys? They say it's fine. Okay, yeah. Because it's closer yeah. to that Pro Tools, it's closer to a Pro Tools engine and then it has the features of like electronic features which is why These, these are not indie rock engineers, these are a couple time Grammy winners that are giving oh, she
2: me she. shit. So uh, not yeah.
0: around. They don't care about the vocoder. Uh, they don't want you to use <laughs> vocoder um be plug in on Ableton or whatever. Nah, they're just yeah, they're basically
2: everything I send them they're like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's it's cool. It's really it's really interesting to learn at that high end because I I've never dealt with that in, in dance music. I was just making jams the whole time, you know? So. Yeah. How did you get into it, Lee? When? How did you start? Okay. Okay. So this is kind of coming full circle. Um, I started playing in, in bands when I was younger and uh, play some bass and guitar. And uh, I got kicked out of them for, um, well, first, okay. So I bought a synthesizer, uh, like a really weird one. I still have a Yamaha CS cs1x or something it's called and um and that was my first synth and i had this little sampler that went with it and uh i brought that Are you still using it That synth? no the, the sounds on it off of it were terrible but i had it in my studio forever because it was a wonderful midi controller right. um it always synced up with all the plugins but uh so i brought that into my band and i was like we need to start you know putting some electronic elements in it and these guys were uh i mean we're all so young and dumb anyway but they they didn't realize that all these records that they were in love with from the cure to depeche mode and 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 uh and i'm like we need this stuff you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: now problem being is i had no idea how to play said synthesizer and um yeah. So, like, when and <laughs> yeah. also, was, you know, the the whole the whole dynamic with a band, uh, especially being four people, when you have your traditional, you know, bass guitar player, drummer, and singer slash rhythm guitar, whatever the the mix is. But we had four people getting them to show up, and everybody's ideas clashing. Um, actually, really frustrated me with the process, you know. And we didn't we didn't really get that much accomplished. We had a few things that were really cool and I wanted to see them to completion.
0: Yeah. That's just a really and, interesting just a footnote on what, what you're talking about when you bring up a band and the, just when you think about a band in terms of producing and producing a band versus electronic music and just that when you think of the dynamics of a band like you're saying, I mean the first thing I'm I'm wondering when you're talking about that is did the you know the did the lead guitar player the, the singer was he writing the songs or was she writing the songs primarily and then bringing the songs to the band and then each person kind of adding to that or were you guys trying to write the songs together? Both, and both, both, and and I think we had a couple
2: of people that were had a talent for. I mean, this is this is hilarious that we're bringing up this band because I I wanna I'm gonna segue. Directly into why why I'm talking about it. What was the but, name? Um, I want to know the name of your band? Is that possible? Uh, okay, so it was I think it was uh, there was it was Detlev, and nice. then there was like on the verge of being Pet Love, but then we got I got kicked out, and then they were
0: Pet Love or something. I don't even know if you could. Yeah, we never released anything. But uh, I was in some bands also, that had some horrible names. So I just wanted to make to okay, see how bad okay, so, so names were it, so make me feel better. But. So,
2: so my friends that were in the band are making incredible music now. they're, they're older. They're they're like they've went their separate ways and now got back together and making really cool shit. And I'm gonna, I think I might mix their stuff for them. So it's kind of full circle. But anyway, the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is because I got so frustrated with that process. And I'm listening to all this incredible music, you know, when you're 19, 18, 19, 20, you're a sponge for music. You've never been so excited. You probably, you know, I've stayed almost that excited my entire life. It hasn't, it hasn't really went away. But at that time, I was like, oh, my God, my friends would give me a CD and I would just play it on repeat, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, a so yeah, of their of their music that they were
0: that they were recording like your demo. No,
2: no, like like my friends got me into Primal Scream, which was okay. uh, produced by the late great Andrew Weatherall, yeah. rest in
0: peace, one of the most talented producers. Uh, the I, Delica records, like all time favorites, it's like a, right.
2: I, it's up there, right? It's got to be. It's, it's up there for me too. So I was getting into this dance influence stuff, and I was like, "Yo, these are drum machines. Yo, these are synthesizers. You know, you know what I mean." And that's why I I wanted to get it. I already had this electronic bug, and the thing didn't work out with the band, and it really it really started to bother me that I wasn't able to see music completed and uh listen to it you know it was just it only happened at practice and it never really got recorded if it did it was on a tape mic you know a mic with a tape recorder and um so I was super interested in the production part enter dance music my friend starts taking me to these underground parties and some really there's a few really great DJs from my hometown um that were playing at these and the music was incredible uh, I grew up between Detroit and Chicago. So these cats were going to Chicago to go record shopping for house, and they were going over to Detroit to pick up the new techno records. <clears throat> you can imagine it was pretty fucking good. Right. And it, But it was a really underground scene. I'm talking about like 100, 150 people that would go to these parties. And um, so that um, that immediately grabbed me, and then I started looking at how they create this music, And I took my little synthesizer and sampler that had, like, a total of, like, 45 seconds of memory or something, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because this is the late 90s. -hmm. And obviously, yes, I didn't have the money for gear. And then very, very similar, uh, I I was able to get a computer and Reason, and I started producing and then uh, moved to Detroit and met Ryan... And Seth and Sean, and the rest is was kind of history
0: from there. So vision quest. yeah, amazing. so that's 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 amazing because it, it's also kind of similar in the sense where you wanted, I guess you heard, you went to these parties and you started hearing this music that sounded really cool and you had the synth and you were interested in that. and then plus you had this musical background. but I guess the difference is that whereas with Richard, you were like full on, I guess you were more coming from the DJ perspective of, of DJing and buying these records and really being into that and being curious about producing, whereas I feel like with you, Lee, it sounds more like you were playing in bands. I, I was actually kind of
2: technically background. producing records, uh, uh, like trying to, I, would say, I wouldn't say producing records because I, I have a hard definition on production, which means you actually produce a product that is completion you're saying yes yeah it doesn't have to be necessarily be for sale but you need to be able to show me something that's done right otherwise otherwise you're a hobbyist and that's okay yeah yeah, these days these words can be taken very like you know and that that's okay i mean i i have my view and i meet a lot of hobbyists um especially in la that have like million dollar studios their parents gave them i'm like oh where can i hear your music (laughs) uh, I'm, i'm working on it you know, you know, you know these, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, I'm a music producer too. I'm like, oh, okay, wow. I'd love, look I'd your-
0: love to be a hobbyist with a million.
2: Dollars. I, I'm looking forward to it someday when I'm 80. Right. So, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I I I kind of started producing, and my friend, and then moved into a house with a friend at turntables, and that's that's where you know the two kind of merged
0: into one. Cool, very cool. And um, Rocio, I know we haven't uh, uh, haven't had a chance to hear from you. What's your What's your story with, uh, how did you get into wanting to learn about music production and, and all that stuff?
3: Hey, well, I'm actually a newbie in this. I started with music production 10 months ago. And wow. how I wanted to start, well, I don't know. I think by going out at parties and... All the stuff that music can provide us yeah. um,
0: were you going to parties before for a while for or did you just kind of did were you just start to go into parties and then right away got into it and then coronavirus well,
3: for a while actually i've been um, for two or three years first I was exploring different genres from house stage house progressive um Finding my sound or where I felt I belonged within music. Um, and after some specific parties that completely changed my, my perspective, I decided that I wanted to learn um, about h- how sound works in general. So I got into it and I was completely amazed by the limitless possibilities. Um, so, well, that's what I love
0: about uh, producing as well is that that idea that when it comes to when you're sitting in front of whatever in your studio with your monitors and you're about to record something or come up with an idea that there's like this seemingly infinite amount of possibilities that a sound can that you can retrieve a sound or work with a sound you know and I always kind of like that idea that there's always something new that you can try and find uh, and to do or to add and that kind of that's kept me always very, like, refreshed when, you know, whenever I get frustrated or whatever it is or I kind of, like, start to lose, lose the plot or lose hope with something because that still happens even after 20 years here and there. But the, take a break and then come back to it and remember that... Uh, that it doesn't have to be done the exact same way that I was doing it before or that I don't have to go for the same thing that I was doing or what other people are doing and that I can just try and, and put time aside to come up with something new or to tackle things from a, a new angle. And that, I love that about, it's something that I love a lot about music production is that idea that you can always search for something new. You...
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's like you can imprint whatever imprint whatever you are going through. So as you change, your music will change and your approach towards music production will change also. It's really, really fascinating.
1: I like that. An imprint of where you are. It's such a good way of putting it. It's like taking a, an audio photograph of where you are at a particular stage of life. For sure. That's a great, uh, that's a great uh, way of actually looking back at um, past, past productions. Yeah. So, by, by that rationale, do you guys um, um, like? Do you do you spend a lot of time hunting down and creating your own samples um, for for use in your productions, or do you do you tend to use um, sounds that are provided by by these doors?
0: Well, that's a good question because, again, that's a question that goes back to the the first the topic of of our uh, of our podcast is because you're asked, you know, the whole approach of sampling is is one approach, right? To some people, you know, like if you talk to uh, producers who are working strictly with bands and on DOS systems, you know, just like Pro Tools, sampling is not really something that's going to cross their minds uh, or is something on the forefront of, of necessarily of like what they want or what they're looking for, right? There's an art to sampling and there's a world behind it, especially in the DJ culture. But if you zone into let's say just the i don't know folk music or uh rock rock and roll then you're looking more about at the equivalent of that i think would be something like the musicianship you know like whether it's your own musicianship your own skills on guitar or the keyboard or piano or singing or working with a band that's just mind-blowingly good you know and then you have guys like lee mentioned like andrew weatherall that just are just seem to find the best of both worlds and they're like you know i think you know one in a in a however many million but uh but that's that's just an interesting point that you brought up richard because it does go back to that core like of how do you work on a production and i think for people it's you know i mean for richard and lee they've been doing for a while rosio rosio you're a bit you're a bit more new to it and um, I'm just to tackle that idea of from a new mindset in 2020 right now, like if you're starting out, what kind of advice would you give, you know, Richard, to somebody who's just starting out right now in terms of they want to work on, they want to start making music, and you want to think about how, you know, what you went through, and would you change? Would you do something differently, or would you would you tell them, all right, you know, you should get you should get this and start working on this? Or is there one specific way to do it? Or what do you think?
1: Well, I think now um, there's uh, obviously a massive advantage with online, like like your course APO audio production online, for example. It's such a great segue for a new um, for a new approach to producing music. It's not, it's not as scary as it was, you know, I mean, back in the day, you wouldn't even get a PDF of, of the instructions. There would be like this encyclopedic book that you'd have to like go to the index and look for what you're looking for. And it's just a nightmare now, so yeah, I mean, the advice I would give to anyone wanting to start now would be to utilize the, the online resources that are available. Um, there's just an infinite world out there of, of people who are willing to help you. Um, Get get started, and Ableton is really, really great. The, the resources that come with that program blow my mind. I mean, when you when you when you become a member of the Ableton community and you've purchased it, the access to videos that just come within the program and the website that 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 runs the the business that they are is like it's just an infinite resource of of tidbits and tips and tricks of how to get going in it. Um,
0: I like the is, 90 days free trial. Yeah, well, exactly.
1: I mean, so that's. I mean, I've had I've had Ableton nine for, since it came out, and now I'm, I'm like halfway through my ninety day trial. But it's like, if you if you if you're not gonna get uh, a fair with it after ninety days, then you should look at another um door perhaps. Sure. Uh, but I yeah, I mean, uh, there's the, also
0: a lot that are free, right? I mean, Reaper is free. I don't know if any of you guys have worked with Reaper before. Uh, but uh, Reaper is like this DAW that's pretty popular now, especially because of ambisonic mixing, which we're actually going to have a guest on next week talk about, so we won't get into that now. But Reaper has really good uh, stereo phasing to do kind of uh, VR mixing and mixing for uh, B format. Uh, so like mixing for a million speakers instead of two speakers. <laughs> Very wow. Very specific type of mixing. which we oh, want long- to be lost <laughs> again. You're right. Well, it's it's, it's We're not going to talk about it. I don't want to get get totally off.
2: No, I mean when that comes out, everybody's going to start, and I'm going to have to learn that. And I'm,
0: <laughs> it, I'm just right. learning how to make some Pro Tools.
2: Damn it. <laughs>
1: um, well, well, I actually uh, I watched a really great film, um, uh, well, a short, short, short uh, video the other day by Resident Advisor about the impact of Untrue by Burial when it came out, and how it uh, went on to win the Mercury Music Prize and. I uh, just like, def- it, it just completely shook the electronic world to its core. Yeah,
0: amazing record, for sure. It was
1: regarded as, it was released by Hyperdub under the genre dubstep, but I mean, you can't, it's almost a genreless music, but he used an... Uh, digital audio software called SoundForge. Uh, yeah, Soundforge. I used
2: to, I used to use that uh, in all my posts with my Ableton tracks. I'd mix them the best I could, and then I'd do the final stuff in SoundForge. It was fantastic. They are
1: saying it. That, that it influenced the sound so much because it's a grid-free door. Is that correct? Uh,
2: I don't know. It was so many years ago. I, can't, I just used it for like kind of my fake mastering or final touches and
0: and getting it out of the out of ableton i wouldn't yeah, call it grid free it's not grid free but it, i mean it's uh that's like a nice way of putting it like soundforge has been around for a while and it hasn't really evolved in the way that a lot of other does have evolved i worked with a tech company and they were used they wanted me to work specifically with soundforge so recently so i was looking into it and i don't find but it's i mean it has other features that are really good i'm not you know, I'm not hating In on my Soundforge. experience. It was basically a post-production kind of.
1: Yeah, you Yes, can, I think that is what it was kind of
2: yeah. intended to be.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. I, and it has. They have like their own uh, plugins and everything, right? Soundforge?
2: Uh, when I had it, I just used third-party stuff, so I don't know. I'm not that well versed with it, but it did definitely sound great when I when I got done with it. It definitely added a lot of depth and some character. So I didn't realize that they're you're able to do some some crazy stuff with uh, stereo and multi speakers in it now.
0: But that's with Reaper. That's with with, with Reaper. Okay. With Reaper, and Reaper is a free. It's Re, Reaper. I think is actually like maybe I'm not sure if that's if, if I'm correct in saying this. I have to check. But that it's like an open source. Uh, that people work on and it's free to download. I'm not sure if that's true, but I know that it is free, like I have it. And um, and it's pretty awesome. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the way that I see it is that a DAW is just a DAW. It's just like an interface for recording your, you know, your work. And um, what really depends then is how much are you, do you want to be doing on your computer versus how much do you not want to be doing on your computer, you know? Uh, and then yeah with mixing and mastering i guess that's that's another that's that's another part of it which is important as well but you can get started today in 2020 with something like reaper download it for free or i don't know if soundforge is free is soundforge free or no no, no it's not right uh, but there's there's a bunch of free ones that are that are pretty high definition, especially compared to what you would get like better than what Pro Tools was years ago, just for starting out and for bouncing your your projects down. Um, it's, of course, it's not the same as when it comes to things like doing MIDI automation and things like that, where you can have, you know, if you're doing a lot of in the box kind of automating and cutting and things like that, then I guess you want to be more DOS specific. But Lee, I remember when we were talking uh, the other week, you mentioned how when you're, you're moving soon, right? And yeah. you're going to be building a studio uh, setting up or setting up a new studio and you already have a studio. Right. Yeah. And uh, I remember when you were talking about uh, with a lot of, you know, like a lot of passion about monitors and a console, like having monitors and a console in the studio. And I really do believe that having power, having not powerful, but having monitors that you understand that you can hear are really, is really an important uh, factor or just knowing your speakers and understanding how they work. And would you say, Lee, for somebody who's starting out, like what would you give for that kind of advice? Like do they need to go off and buy monitors right away and a console or what is the gradual step? Could they start, could they start off and get some rockets, start working on their computers with some headphones that are decent and then build it up?
2: So this, is, this is really taste specific because i know a couple of cats that have like some some krks and they i think they can mix out mix me you know what i mean but they've got years and years of experience and they're just they're incredible they they learn how to they they know how to do that. they know those speakers they know what's wrong they know what's wrong with them right i use the old school Genelex, the 1032s Mm -hmm. and um I also learned what's wrong with these because these aren't perfect. And I love the way the barefoots sound, um, but I found flaws in the mixing on those, right? So, and, and there's a lot of cats that uh, strictly use, like, I only use this, I only use that. And the price goes as crazy as you want to, right. you know, <laughs> until, you get, until you get your ATCs. Um, so really price is a big one. But what we're looking for, if, if you want me to give like my technical advice, is flat reference. You don't want color. You don't. You don't want uh, frequency ranges that are inaccurate. And um, I see a lot of a lot of people when they start out. Um, first of all, that like don't don't follow trends with monitors. Um, there's a lot of fads that go through, and so and so, some producer that you know uh, that is bigger and, and, and successful has these things. And that's why you go get those things and spend twice the money. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guilty I, of that. And back in the day, uh, <laughs> <that, yeah, laughs> I've, I, I, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> I worked with, a I worked with a few people. And when I heard the gentle X and then saw them in the background and all these large studio pictures as their B or C monitor as their B monitor, usually right. I'm like, uh, and these are older studios that were kind of cutting the kind of music that I always loved the sound of. I'm like, okay, I'm seeing a reoccurring theme here. Let's pony up and get these, right? But but I had the Mackie A24s for years, and um, those were great. I made some of my coolest
0: tracks on them. And then before that, I had the <laughs> yeah. KRKs. Did you set up and, Mackie with the Genelex like back? They, did you do A Bing with them? Yeah, yeah, I did until my my son
2: stuck his finger through the cone of my Mackie. So, now oh
0: no!
2: You learn these things. I don't want to. I don't want to tell him the studio's off limits. So I'm paying the price with a, a, a little you know damage control here. But it's okay.
0: He has his own synth already. He loves it. He was it. fixing the, the like the. The bass, the balance, the
2: acoustic. I th- I, th- I think that's what it was. He's like, I think this cone needs to be replaced, and he puts his finger through it. Um, but uh, but yeah. So really, what what I was gonna say is that you know the Yamaha NS10s are fairly affordable and classics.
0: Classics NS10s. And,
2: okay. and you could use those as your B monitors as you actually have money to upgrade. But but the the really big thing I see is somebody going out and getting all the new gear um, that they can buy. Every new rolling thing and the innovation things and all these little, like, these new synths, um, which also, uh, I will tell you, there's all these great products out there. But if you're looking for analog sound, you're not going to get it out of digital synthesis. So this is a this is a common uh mistake uh, i see with a lot of producers are like oh i got this and i'm like yeah it's digital they're like no it's not it's analog look you plug it in and i'm like no dude that's not an analog sin i have a role in alpha juno 2 here that's that's it's digital if it has a screen and and it's digital right yeah Uh, my my jupiter 6 is analog like it's you run the the electricity goes to the oscillators that's how you get analog sound the newer the newer moog stuff a lot of them are digital
0: digital
2: the the, rack mount voyager my friend was arguing with me years ago about how it was analog i'm like well you're running it analog but it's a digital modeling uh, analog synth right 106 is digital
0: actually is the, is, the, is the 106 I digital? Think yeah. is. I think, I think it is. Think well, part, yeah, partially digital? I think it is because it's like it's the circuits. I mean, I have never opened it up, but yeah, um, no, I think that, I think, you know, they're preset circuits that have a memory. Exactly. And it's not uh, oscillators that you're connecting, you know. The Juno 60 is, is analog. Right. And
2: Juno 106 is, I think you're right, partially digital. Yeah. People were like, oh, I got the DX7. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're like, I don't want the plug in the, D- the DX. I don't want to get the Arturia plug in. I'm like, well, they're, they're very similar because they're digital. And, I, and my other friend had an M1 and it was terribly difficult to get in and edit. And I have the Corg software. And that is a dream to edit. And it's got all the expansion bakes. But I tried to explain to him that like, the M1 is also digital.
0: The so, DX7, the building the uh, patches on the DX7 is really hard. It's really hard, and then the, the <laughs> really new
2: plugin plugin sounds a lot like it. So I'm not for, like, people not buying since, but when people buy a lot of this newer gear, and they're like, I'm mostly analog. And, and um, the reason I'm bringing this up is that they'll spend, like, thousands of dollars on the toys and then have absolute shit monitors and no no acoustic treatment in their room and they're wondering why when they make a song of course you're feeling it you've worked on it for weeks maybe months maybe a year and you send it over to a label for consideration they're like no thanks mate you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's it's because you've got all the signal going in sure you probably you know you might have an apollo and and uh and uh, the plugins that go with it or whatever, but you don't, your your ears are not hearing an accurate re- representation of what you're actually printing. So, so you're
0: saying don't underestimate the, your speakers. Is what
2: yeah, man. I would say, I would say when you, I'd say start with something that's like a go-to flat reference, whether it's like an NS10 or something along those lines, there's some good ones from uh Sonus has some like cheapos that are really
0: flat if you can't afford the NS10s. What um, about headphones? What about headphones? Can somebody, because look, because speakers are expensive, right? So if you're starting yeah. out and you get, let's say you get download something like Reaper, you get a free DAW that gives you really good quality, uh, has a really good quality bounce. You have, uh, uh, you're really good at guitar and you and you, and you sing and you want to record some nice demos of you recording and singing. Uh, so you don't need to necessarily spend a fortune and get like, you know, monitors and then get testing monitors and maybe can just you're gonna get-
2: have to shut your monitors off to record your mic anyway. So, uh, for that p- particular case, I guess what I was speaking directly about electronic music electronic. production, yeah. house, techno electronica that these people that are sitting in the box making beats all day, you know, writing bass lines, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, those people can't underestimate their monitoring but yeah i mean if you're if you're just a project musician you want to get you get some things recorded so yeah a great a good pair of headphones is is crucial i know some people that have
0: that work a lot in headphones and love it let's say you're just starting out. You don't have, like go back to the old Lee or the old Richard Marshall, but pre pre festivals, pre out there, but you want, you have the talent, you're excited. You know, you understand productions, the basics. You have, you have these ideas. You want to put them out. Uh, Can you, is it okay? How do you, to set up on an electric, make a, an electronic song and just set up with your computer and a pair of headphones and uh
2: absolutely i mean i remember troy pierce telling me about how he was writing music on the plane Mm. i mean mind you mind you he had uh great monitors at his house when he got home to go mix on right but he was telling me like he wrote a bunch of music he was just inspired in writing on the plane and you know he got back I mean, mind you, there wasn't like a ton going on, but he was writing the hooks and all this stuff on the plane. So it's different for each artist,
0: right? Like, If you don't try, you're not going to learn, right? So I do think that if you, you can always work on a project, no matter what your setup is, work on it, get it as best as you can get it to sound until you get to a point where you feel, okay, I've either hit this kind of roadblock where the only way I can take it to that next level is if I get this and this piece of gear, or if I learn how to sing better, or whatever it is. But I believe much more in that process of take what you have and do the best you can with what you have, then get feedback from people, and and then and then assess and see what you need, as opposed to right away being like, okay, what is uh, you know what does Richie Hodden use, what does Troy Pierce use? I'm going to buy this right away. I'm going to do it this way work on the project first and then see afterwards. See I, I was going to say quickly
2: that, um, and this is not a joke, even though it's going to sound like it.
0: What's
2: that? Make friends with somebody with some good monitors to go listen on. <laughs> you know, just, like, yeah. like I literally had a friend when I lived in, I had really terrible M audio monitors and my friend had some pretty dope to and he was cool. Like we'd go listen to each other's music and I would, Take notes and go back and fix it. So you don't, you know, you don't have to have all this stuff to. You, again, necessity is the mother of, of invention. So do what you have to do. I'm just saying, don't overspend on gear uh, and software until
0: you have a decent listening. That necessity. makes sense. That ma- that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, Rocio, you say you said that you've been doing it for ten months or so. Uh, how have you? F- how have you felt with the process uh like getting into it how do you feel about it? do you think it's overwhelming or do you like are are you not sure about did were you not sure how to start or do you have things that you want to buy i'm curious like for somebody who's starting right now uh what that feels like or in the
3: past year hey. yes well actually in the first month until i started apo it was more of a Learning process, not so much practicing. I was um, learning about everything I was able to do with Ableton, that's the doll I'm learning with. Um, and it was much absorbing information for, from different um, teachers. Um, mm. And when I started at APO, well, I started practicing a little bit more. Um, I found it a little bit uh, stressing, for example, when I had to do the first monthly challenge at some point because, well, I was. I had an idea, and I didn't want. I I wasn't sure how to make it sound, or maybe I was trying to make some sounds fit. That's pretty
0: crazy that that's your first. Uh, it sounds like you've been producing for a few years already, and that, yeah, totally. Really? Well, thank you. Yeah, from that because you were on the spotlight, and that track sounded great, and I played it for a lot of people, and I didn't even know. I thought that for sure, you know, because your your drums are, are sitting nicely. They're they're pretty close. Um, Uh, And you have you have a really nice atmosphere and there's a sound like it doesn't just sound like I find a lot of producers in electronic music, you just get a lot of just beats that don't really have a personality necessarily attached to them. Maybe they can be somewhat functional, but when you hear them, I find going sifting through demos all the time. It's like hard to find stuff that has person like a a sound, a feeling that is wrapped to it, uh, not just something that uh, I agree well
3: thank you yes actually um i've been a music lover since ever so so i guess i've been i don't know i i'm always listening to whether that be um, relaxing frequencies ambient music so i think i am a good listener i'm learning to be best better okay um but yes i really put a lot of effort on the track and as you always said say i'm tried to to be sure of what i was listening and to f- follow that instinct right to yeah i don't know it use, was your, use your ear and listen yeah exactly so. it was a pretty nice adventure to do that
0: awesome <laughs> uh richard you, are you are you still around richard of course of course of course i'm fully fully tuned in
1: this is a fascinating chat
2: thought we might have put him to sleep. <laughs> no,
1: no, 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 no. Uh, actually, I'm very impressed with how we're doing because often, especially on, on early incarnations of these things, everyone, like, talks over each other and it gets quite awkward and jarry. So I'm just waiting for, for gaps. Yeah, Mo, what were you going to say?
0: I'm giving you a, a nice gap right now. Yes. <laughs> Wait, what, what that's
2: what she said. Gap. Okay, that's good. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
0: we can edit that out with modern DAWs.
2: I'm watching too much American Office guys, sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what that sounded like. Um so yeah, what was your question, Darren? You
0: know it's amazing that Steve Carell actually he gets that now. Because I was saying it before. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people you know were saying that in the nineties, that's what she said. But now it's like he's so iconic that it's unequivocally it has to be Michael Scott.
1: Yeah, but they do drop it in in the funniest ways, especially when it gets to the point Maybe. that it's I-
2: yeah. it's totally taking the piss out of what a shitty joke it is though I that's why i like it that's why that's... I, I i had to, i had to say like i'm just watching the office so i i catch these things because it's such a terrible joke i remember the 90s when right. everybody's doing it and i'm like that's <laughs> shit that's such shit but then it makes it funny because you have this doofus going around and trying to interject it anywhere he possibly can so you know now i wanted to do the doofus
0: interjecting it wherever and he I... loves it you know he's so happy whenever he does yeah that. he's so please with himself it's hilarious it's genius I know. <laughs> anyway. oh, yeah. Um, but yeah no i mean um i think that really we've covered a lot there because it goes from starting with this idea about all right uh you get interested i guess that's how it starts where you go to a party you go to some parties and you like the, the music and then you wonder well how how you know how was this music made what is this music where can i find it you start asking around You know you have some friends who have the cool playlists you start talking to them you know and then you go off on your own detective investigations or you're playing in a band and you um you know uh, you're listening to the records and maybe everyone in the band is playing violins but you want to make the Mode music, and then you discover what a sap, what a sap, uh, a sapler is. You know.
1: <laughs> so what can I, can I, I've got a question before before you wrap up for for um, for Clarion and Lee, just because of your guys' extensive experience in studios. What uh, is the importance, would you say, of of having an analog board in a studio and running your 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 sounds through that? Because I've worked obviously. Uh, well, not, not, not within a studio context, but I've booked so many, um, like esteemed music producers who've come to South Africa we always talk about production and so many of them have invested heavily, like big, big, big sums of money in having like Neve or the like analog boards in their studios. And I just want to know if you guys use analog uh, boards in your, in your studios and, and how, what, what difference does that make to, to the end results of a digital, um, electronic music production? Because, uh, I, I, I just I, I'm asking because I don't know the answer to that
2: question. I, I'm I'm going to take a really quick uh, answer to that and let Clarion go more in depth. First of all, I don't have a mixing console. I want to get one when I build a bigger studio, uh, and and that is simply because I want to be able to record anything from all the synths I have going at once to a band. Right? I'm I'm I've ventured into production and uh, of of actual bands and groups, um, other than, you know, not just my own my own stuff. Um, so what I was gonna say is that I have a lunchbox with a Neve, uh, a Neve preamp, and- uh, okay, so sorry, Excuse Eric, me, what's a lunchbox? Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, so this, this is a great one for people that are, that are ready to invest some money in a studio, but don't have, dude i mean we all know how much mixing consoles cost they go up all the way as high as you want um and and for one that's reasonable that's going to do the job and get the feel that you want you're probably looking at you know 20 30 grand there are some ways around it and i don't want to go into that but uh uh some of my friends are going to help me when i move finding one but um I was so, going to say,
0: uh, the way the ways around it is to have friends with mixing boards, maybe. Damn, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> boom,
2: <laughs> boom. But I, I don't have any friends that have them. Kenny Larkin's here, but uh, he's he's over in Topanga. But uh, uh, so I have uh, the lunch boxes. Uh, they started making modules um, that that go and you can put in any order that you like in this rack mountable uh box which is like a power box that feeds all these different channels so i've got one preamp from neve which is just one channel um and then i've got a drummer gate and a chandler little devil compressor and a harrison eq Um, so these are all out of uh what used to be either out of mixing consoles there's just a preamp out of the neve
0: Console. All you're missing is like a panner and a fader, something you know. What's that? All you're missing is a pan, a paner, and a fader, and then you yeah, can... and, and there's no EQ on the on the Neve. You have to buy the EQ separately.
2: Uh-huh. But yeah. now you've got the opportunity to run a Neve signal through a Harrison EQ. You know what I mean? These thing, so you can get really creative with these things. If you're doing
1: a, if you're finishing up a Clarion production, do you do you export individual channels and run them through a desk back into pro tools to finish the recording process or is it, is it all, um, within the door?
0: I've done, honestly, this is okay. I'm obviously a little bit of a rebel in the sense where I don't believe that there has to be one way to do things in terms of the sound engineering process. As long as you get the result that is satisfactory to what, your vision is or to what, you know, the people that you're, you're trying to bring out uh, or whatever your job is. Uh, That being said, like if you go into a professional studio, like Universal or something and, and they have a million dollars setup there and you're like, no, 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 guys, I got my, uh, I got my Ableton and my MacBook. Let's just, let's just plug it in and go. Unless you're Skrillex, I'm I'm sure you're going to get a lot of like Seems like people will be a little bit apprehensive, you know, see like, where is this going? But then again, if you can make that recording on your computer sound as good as running it through like a wreck or a knees then okay, why not? You know, but can you really, I mean, yes and no, it really, most likely I would say no uh, in terms of like, if you have no idea what you're doing and you're going into do and you're going into do something, and if you're talking about my productions in particular, it really depends. Uh, are you talking about like Clarion Records or records that I've produced with other yeah, artists? Yeah, so
1: specifically Clarion Records. I'm trying to wrap my head
0: around the. Uh, so some of those records I've recorded totally in box. Like Lee said, uh, like I did the played Say It for the first one on Seth Chocolate's label, the Dinosaurs in Space track, I was going to play a trow and I was on the plane and I was recording sounds on the airplane with through Ableton on the way to play the show and then I added it and I played it for Seth when I got there at Shroud not knowing how it was gonna sound. And and then we we're like, okay, and he wanted to put it out. And it was one of those things where it's just so ridiculous and it breaks all the rules, yeah. but I love the record. I'm so proud of it, you know? But then I'm also proud of the records that I meticulously sat there and rigged up the cow and put up all the patch, put the patch bay in and had each channel with the tape. And I wrote down in a marker like, okay, this is the 808 this is the Juno, this is the mic, you know, and I made sure to do proper mixers of everything with the fader, with the only outboard faders, nothing on uh, nothing on the DOS. all outboard. And I'm very proud of those records as well. And for wow. me, what I love about electronic music or indie music is that idea that you can do what you want, right? Like yeah. we're free, we're free to do what we want because we're, that's the idea. It's supposed to be underground, you know?
3: Okay, so... Adding to the thought that creativity is needed when music, it's also important to have discipline and dedication in order to be able to take something useful out of it and not get caught by the idea that the more stuff we get, the better we'll be as long as we are uh, available to its maximum expression.
0: Absolutely. Well said. For sure, 100%, great. Um, And I think that's what we've all been talking about. And I, Rocio, I think you just summed it up really nicely because in a sense, that's, I feel like what Richard and Lee and I were kind of getting at sometimes, especially when we're talking about, um, working with synths, not because whether they're analog or digital or what, uh, whether, you know, we're collecting them or we saw somebody use something or, but because we're using it, uh, because we wanna be using it for a reason and we're learning it and not just using it once and then being like, oh, this isn't doing what I wanted. I just got it, so it's useless, but actually sitting there and taking the time and uh, and giving it the love it deserves, gives the Jupiter 6 the love that it deserves, you know? And there's a lot of love to be given to the Jupiter 6, I think, <laughs> limitless. <laughs> limitless. and uh let's finish it off with picks so basically picks what how this works is that at the end of our podcast we could each go around and say something that uh that's interesting for us something that we've been into lately it can be anything it doesn't have to be audio or music related just something in our lives that we're excited about and maybe want we want to share um i can go first uh and i would like to share the catskill mountains so I was there uh, on the weekend, last weekend, for my girlfriend's birthday, and and then my birthday as well was a week before, so we kind of did a conjoined birthday kind of thing. Happy together. birthday. <laughs> Thanks. And it was just really beautiful. I've never been to the Catskill Mountains. I've been holed up in quarantine like everybody else for months and months, not leaving any my room, you know, just just hyperventilating in front of my computer constantly. And just to be out, to go from that to be out in nature in these magnificent, the Catskill Mountains, they're in New York, they're in upstate New York. And they're just these beautiful... Massive mountains with forests and waterfalls, and it was just very magical and just felt really good to be out in nature and to just get away from the cities, get away from like phones, you know, the computers and everything and and just uh, go back to uh, go back to the beauty of nature. So shout out to the Catskill Mountains. What up? Catskills! Um, that's it. Anyone would like to go next, Richard Lee. Rocio, do you have one idea?
3: Oh, Uh, yes. Um, Sorry. Actually, I've been lately into podcasting a lot. Um, Well, of course, I've been waiting for this one to kick off, but I am also recording a podcast, which is in Spanish, in which I talk from about different topics that I've been studying for the last three years, more or less. So I am recording the podcast. I am preparing the music for that podcast. I am even talking with some of my peers from APO um, to join awesome. ideas and to make some music for the podcast. The idea is to make maybe for the first half an hour of me just talking and the second half um, music and ambient mix from different peers. So I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Amazing. Very what's nice. It, what's it called? Is there a name yet or no name? Yeah.
3: It's solar. It would be solar from the sun. Something like that.
0: <laughs> cool. Nice. Uh, looking forward uh, to picking uh, that out. I don't speak Spanish, but that's something I need. I want to learn actually, that I should learn by now. But
2: uh, yeah. No, me, my wife's Colombian and my Spanish is terrible. Mm. Do you speak a bit though? Yeah. yeah a little
0: yeah okay that's good I, I feel like if I had a Spanish, if my girlfriend well she's like half uh, Puerto Rican but she doesn't really speak Spanish, but it would be it would help for sure you know to have some I'm just gonna
2: learn with, with my son because we're speaking she's she's speaking both to him so I, I took a bit in high school I'm gonna finish learning with him so I think by the time he's four or five I should be fluent.
0: Uh, muy bien.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah,
3: actually, um, having knowledge of other language opens the door for a lot of knowledge that may usually where it's not accessible to us as long as we do not speak that language. That's why I, um, I'm always grateful to my parents for sending me to English classes because how much I learn from in from English, yeah, and reading in English, it's uh, invaluable, really.
2: That's cool. We're teaching my son sign language from the start wow, right like just just simple stuff and we're going to kind of let him keep learning that so he'll be able to sign as well
0: oh man i wish my parents would have given me that sign i wish i knew sign language that would be so cool right oh yeah. and, and lip reading that's one i want is lip reading. <laughs> that <laughs> everything that's going on in the restaurant you know <laughs> no matter where you are. uh richard do you have any picks um yeah, look, mine's going to have to be a film because
1: I've only just seen it. I've just caught up with the rest of the world, but it's, I can't stop talking about it. I watched, in fact, I shared the score of it over in APO, um, Parasites.
0: Amazing.
1: So, like, absolutely. I'm, I'm such a filmy. Like, I, I really, really like take my film very seriously. I love it. Probably the most beautifully shot movie I think I've ever seen. And it occurs mostly in a house. It's crazy.
2: True. Ooh.
1: It's yeah, that's really, if, you have, if you haven't seen it, Lee or Rossio, honestly, like, just yeah. privatizes.
0: Yeah, but it's definitely a mind trip and a half. Like, it's, uh, right, Richard? Like, it's not for, it's not, it's, rela- it's not relaxing, I don't think.
1: Yeah, no, 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 But is, I, I, I bought it. Where you can, I hired it off uh, Amazon or YouTube. I can't remember which one. So you get it for 48 hours and just listen to the score and the Foley work, and it's like, it was just unbelievable. I watched it with, um, I've got a a very, very beautiful pair of bare dynamic headphones that I put on for my second viewing and kind of watched it half with my eyes closed, you know?
0: Mm,
1: Nice. That is kind of what auditory experience that film is. So yeah, that's my pick. Awesome.
0: Very cool. Lee, last but not least. Uh, You know,
2: I I think it's important because this is a whole quarantine thing. And uh, you know, I, I study uh, like kind of ancient Eastern medicine with Tai Chi, Qigong, and, and some of the, the Taoist philosophies. And um, since you picked the Catskills, I'm, I'm just gonna pick, like my wife and I went up to Big Bear with my son, Big Bear Lake, and we got an Airbnb cabin and just spent like three days hiking, going to the lake, uh, same kind of vibe. And it's so good for you when you've been caged in a city to go out and get the freshest air, The you know, like be out with nature, take your shoes off. That stuff is actually good for your immune system. And uh, also, you know, the your physical and mental health are connected. So... Um, when you're in a better mood, you feel refreshed. Your immune system goes up. This is actually scientifically proven. Uh, I believe it. I agree. So, yeah. So um, I would say my, one of my picks is Big Bear, and the other one I just heard Marvin Gaye's "Inner City Blues" on the radio the other day, and I think I maybe heard that song once or twice in my life.
0: What? So, That's it.
2: Yeah, I don't. I, what? I I know, and I'm from Detroit. I've only heard I'm it like. Detroit. Three- Two, three times in my life. And because where I'm from, like the radio stations play just the A sides only in like the biggest hits. So uh, that's my pick for a song to listen to. Oh, it's incredible. Awesome. That's it. That
1: so it's, it's, it's open and ready to go for when we finish this. Um... He's got it. He's got it
2: ready to go. It's yeah. off the chain
0: it's amazing and th- actually like when i think of that song it's synonymous with vision quest in my mind because i think about i think about the parties that you guys had um, at denf you know and, yeah, yeah yeah and i like and that song i mean for sure like dri- driving with uh with friends and everything and listening to that album and that song specifically it's just it's the bomb you know it's, it's amazing it's crazy yeah. And I think it reminds me right away of Detroit. It reminds me right away of them and after parties and the need I say more and all that stuff. Great. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Classic. All right. Well, that's uh, that's really awesome picks guys. Thanks. And I think we're good. I don't know how I'm supposed to end this yet. So I'll probably just add it afterwards. Say what, like something like, thank you, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know exactly, but, uh but thanks like off the recording off the record thanks guys i think it was really good thank you it was really nice to talk
2: with everybody i hope i get to see you in real life someday yes yes
1: yeah me too me too it would be cool to get you done so that's you okay. have you ever been there you no, know?
2: yeah i've never been never been
1: well yeah, yeah. i've had i've had um and i've had sex so we should not be down i'm going little bitsy festival down there and just come and play out
2: if you wanted i would absolutely love Joe. love it he's very modest